0: Uh, I think this week we're going to be continuing in our discussion through the gospel of Mark. And so we're ready for Mark chapter 10. uh, And we've got some maybe other things to discuss here at the beginning of the chapter, but we'll hit that as they come up in the text. So uh, when do you guys want to get us started and reading in Mark chapter 10? Yeah, I can do that. Mark 10 uh, verse 1. I'll just
1: read down through verse 12. And Jesus left there and went to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. The Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses commend you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female.
0: All right. So, um pretty uh important text, important teachings of Jesus. What's going on here? Uh and often controversial. Uh so it'll probably be helpful for us to to look at what Jesus is saying, be able to understand what what he's meaning uh here and really I think at the beginning of this what he says is pretty straightforward. Um it's not really difficult to understand what Jesus is saying. It gets a lot more challenging when we try to fit what Jesus is saying into different situations and scenarios and maybe trying to make it mean something that we would rather it mean rather than what it actually says. Uh, but the the stage is set with Jesus going and teaching the crowds again. He's in Judea and he's teaching them. Uh, I don't know if he's in a synagogue or uh, where exactly he's at, but crowds are coming to him. And the Pharisees approach him and they've got this question. Um, so they they ask him, and it's important to notice, I think, in verse 2, Uh, They come up to him to test him. So they're trying to catch him in something. They think this is a really difficult and challenging question. And their question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Um, So what do you guys want to start discussing from there? Um, That's kind of open-ended, but what what do you want to pull out of what Jesus says here?
2: Before we get directly into the text, I'd like to underscore something you just meant about uh, when we try to make it fit things in general there's two very very different ways to look at the bible one is to look at the bible and then decide to change my life to fit what god has told me to do the other is to look at the bible and find some way to manipulate or change my interpretation of the text to make the text fit my life and this happens in all sorts of different situations, and, and this is one of them. Uh, and it's vital uh, to have the right approach, not the wrong approach there. And second Peter talk or yeah, second Peter talks about those that twist the word uh, to their destruction. And so it's always a good thing to be aware of.
1: Hmm. Yeah, good boy. Next, I, I just appreciate how Jesus will often respond to people who are familiar with the law. They'll ask a question about the law, and he just says, well, what does it say? Um, now, that's not enough. Uh, it's not just, a, you know, what does it say? It's next is what does it mean? Um, they're able to, to tell him uh, what Moses commanded. He asked them in verse three, which tells you that, that Jesus expected people to uh, to appeal to the authority of scriptures for these kinds of questions it's not just what do you think what do you feel what's been your experience what have the rabbis said It's what what has god's commandment through moses been uh but then they they're able to tell him in verse four that moses allowed a man to divorce his wife send her away Uh, but jesus gets back to something uh, more more deep more fundamental um it's not just about what moses said in deuteronomy but really what he got at from the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2 that there had been an intention since creation. And Jesus' teaching is really good at getting back to the fundamental creative order about restoring um, God's intended plan for people. Jonathan?
0: Yeah, and I I think that's also maybe an approach and an example of Jesus' authoritative teaching. Uh, That was something that impressed the people often, that he spoke as one with authority, not as the Pharisees and the scribes. And it's maybe more more easy to see that in the dialogue in like the sermon on the mount in matthew chapter 5 where jesus will go through teaching different principles and he'll say things like you've heard it was said to those of old and then he'll say but i say to you and gives like his commandment it's clearly authoritative and it's a similar kind of pattern here he's asking well what did moses tell you and moses gave them some information he told them give a certificate of divorce you can put your your wife away then But then Jesus almost kind of has this in verse five or verse six, but I say to you moment where Mm -hmm. that's what Moses said, but that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not what was originally intended. Moses gave you that certificate of divorce because of your hardness of heart. Like what you were pointing out, Justin, God's intentions from creation were that there would not be divorce, that that there would be one man and one woman bonded together for life. Uh, Go ahead, Justin.
1: And I wonder if that's part of what Jesus was getting at in what did Moses command you? You know, Moses is the uh, the writer, the recorder of history from creation through Deuteronomy. So uh, part of the question is, are you going to be honest with all that the Bible tells you? Because to Scott's point, um, we, we can... We can try to fit our lives to what scripture tells us, or we can try to get scripture to fit our lives. And one of the ways we'll do that is we'll highlight our favorite passages and we'll only go to those because we can find a Bible verse to tell us what we want to believe. And then we'll ignore the rest. And so by going to Deuteronomy 24, which is where they they head to, uh, Moses had given permission for this sort of thing, but it wasn't permission. It was more of um, a restriction kept them from uh, abusing the situation. But Jesus intended for them to look at the comprehension of all that uh the old law had told them about marriage. Scott?
2: Okay, side point, so I don't want to stay here long at all. But that thing about favorite verses, uh, you know, you can think about different uh systems. You know, the Watchtower Society has their favorite verses and then the verses they ignore. Roman Catholicism has its favorite verses and the verses it ignores, etc. And you know, we need to be careful about that. Side point back to our topic
3: now. Mm-hmm. yeah well, I, was, I was gonna make one one quick comment I hadn't noticed this into the way you were talking about it Justin Jesus says what did Moses command you and they start list listing actually something that was a commandment an instruction uh, but when Jesus responds back he goes to uh, to Genesis and, and the story of the creation of man and woman and that's not a command or it's not written like a command and I, I looked up the word to see what was it that Jesus said and the, and the word is what did Moses command it isn't what did Moses say he said what did Moses command and it's an interesting insight into what Jesus includes in the concepts of commands and instructions and examples it's just a story of God making two people But that simple story has a lot more weight to it than just a story. It is part of what we follow then. And so the story of the creation of a male and a female is part of the command of what a marriage is supposed to be and how it's supposed to remain uh, a union in that way. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And so really all of what Jesus is pointing to and trying to teach by going back to Genesis 1 and 2 uh, is his final culminating point in verse nine uh, where his, his point that we need to come away with his teaching, wondering if divorce is okay or not. Jesus direct answer in verse nine is what God has joined together. Let not man separate. That's, that's the rule. That's what Jesus is saying. Marriage is this divinely established and sanctioned relationship. That's supposed to be pure and sacred and is not supposed to be torn apart um, by man. Uh, it, it really frustrates God. It angers God. God hates divorce. He doesn't want that to be separate. And that's not a popular thing to say. Um, in our current world and day and time, uh, it's, it's very popular now to go out and get married one day and get divorced tomorrow. Uh, you know, try your hand in, in and in a bunch of different relationships. That's not what God accepts. That that's not what God wants. That's not what his word teaches. His word teaches that his his intentions for marriage are that there would be one man, one woman joined together for life. Now, that's really challenging. Um, And that's not an easy uh, command to follow. In fact, the disciples respond here and they respond also, I think we're gonna look also at at Matthew chapter 19. Their response is almost like, if that's the case, then (laughs) this is too difficult. You're better off just not getting married uh, in, in Matthew chapter 19. But that's what Jesus says. And I think it's important to notice uh, also concerning God's commands, some of them we will be able to see and and understand, and they'll be easy to follow because we were already planning on doing that anyway. And uh, it'll be simple. Like, uh, I don't intend on ever, you know, murdering someone. Uh, I've never been particularly tempted to murder someone. So it's going to be really easy, I think, for the rest of my life. Um, And maybe I'll be challenged with that later. I don't know. But it'll be easy, I think, for the rest of my life to not murder someone because I'm not planning on killing someone ever. Uh, But there are some other commands that God gives me that whenever my fleshly desires want to do something contrary to that, I'll try to squeeze and wiggle and move through those commands. Um, Whether God's commands come naturally to us or not, they're still God's commands and they need to be followed. Uh, And so that's the first important, I think, takeaway from this. Jesus is very simple in his teaching here. If God joined it together, which he did in marriage, then you don't get a right to separate it. It's God's relationship that he's established. You can't, you can't end that.
1: Mm -hmm. I think this passage, um, I usually think of marriage, divorce, and remarriage as what we're talking about when we come to this passage. But uh, in in today's uh, kind of secular culture, uh, we, we've got a lot of touch points that that this passage addresses. Um, verse six, uh, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Uh, we could go on a number of different tracks with that. Uh, Jesus understood uh, that mankind is made uh, male or female. That's Those are the two options, generally speaking, uh, and then that that this bond between people uh, this one flesh bond would exist between one man and one woman in verse eight um i don't know is there anything more you want to say but I mean, that seems pretty straightforward but our our world's very confused about that sort of thing Do you would there any be anything more you would want to say about that i
3: think i think the reality is is that we just have to reckon with um The simplicity that the scriptures give us and we have to work through in our own minds whether we care about that or not. Um, And in my opinion, whether I care about it or not, God's there and he's going to do what he's going to do. But everyone has to figure that out for themselves to see if they're going to uh, bend
0: their will, bend their will to God. Yeah, and we'll just... Talk about maybe like how important that that is bending our will to God's will um, is really vital. And Jesus goes into some pretty um, detailed ways of how that can happen, especially in Matthew chapter 19, because here he says in in Mark 10, verse 10, the disciples ask him about it kind of privately. And in verse 11, he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her and the opposite is also true if she divorces her husband and marries another she commits adultery this is really serious a a serious situation and sin that you're dealing with here and um later look over at matthew 19 after jesus says that exact thing in matthew 19 verse 9 uh, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another he commits adultery that's where the disciples say in verse 10 if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. So their kind of their their conclusion is that's really hard. Um, yeah. You mean you can't you can't just put your wife away because you don't like her or because uh, you're really frustrated? Marry like that's too hard. That's too challenging. You're better off just not getting married. And then Jesus has some really important things to say, going to what Dan pointed out about bending our will to God's will. How important it is to follow this commandment. In verse eleven, he says. Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Uh, so Jesus's point is, you've got to follow this somehow. You, you've got to figure out for you personally how you're going to follow this command. Maybe that means you don't get married because you don't think that you can follow this command, and that's fine. Um, and maybe that means that like what he says at the end of verse 11, um, there are some who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven that have decided that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give up the, the sexual relationship that God has designed so that I can purify myself and be better of what God wants me to be for the sake of expanding his kingdom and not breaking his commandments. But that's what Jesus says. He doesn't say, yeah, I know it's kind of hard. And so like it'll be okay if you slip up. He says, you're going to have to do some really extreme things sometimes if you want to follow this commandment. Um, and that that's important for us to notice. And one, one note on the commandment, uh,
1: Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's got a Jewish audience. Uh, and so we might be tempted to think that this was a law that really only applied to a specific group of people at a specific time, the Jews living in the first century under the law of Moses. Uh, but Jesus goes back to the created order. Um, marriage has always been this way. And whatever it looked like historically or culturally, uh, whatever is accepted today, doesn't really matter. Like if, if we're trying to do what what Dan said, is just bend our will to Jesus's will. So we can't say I'm following Jesus, but then ignoring what He says about this this created order of marriage from the very beginning.
2: There is an epidemic uh, in, in religious circles of. Uh, wanting to kind of update the Bible, that, well, that was for back then. In fact, uh, the UCC had a campaign uh, on TV several years ago that was, don't put a period where God put a comma, God is still speaking. And it was part of their um, message to accept homosexuality. But here, so many times people will say things like this. They'll say, well, you know, the Bible is 2,000 years old. You know, it's it's about ancient times. It's, it's, we can get some things out of it to apply today, but you don't apply the rules from it to today. And I like to point out that some things have changed. A lot of things have changed. Technology has changed. Uh, so when my, you know, grandfather was born, this was a very different country than it is now a lot of things have happened in in the last 110 years or so um, but mankind still has mankind's problems we've got technology now but you think about things like do not kill do not steal do not commit adultery now people use computers to steal and you know commit adultery etc man's problem hasn't changed. And the attitude of men towards women in particular, um, back in the book of Malachi, it talks about the tears of the women whose covenants forsook, whose husbands forsook the covenant they made with the wife of their youth. For centuries and centuries and millennia, men had been using women and then treating them like a used car. You know, it gets a little older. It doesn't look as flashy. And they go out and get rid of it and they get a different model. And, and that's not love. One other thing I'd like to just point out about this practically, uh, is you know, if, if the Lord had left this up to me, I would like there to be just lots of exceptions. And say, so, Well, in this case, yes. Well, in that case, yes. Well, in this, he didn't leave it up to me. And if The Lord had just said, as a couple of the famous Hollywood people uh, vowed, "As long as we we both shall love," that was that was their vows. Uh, If if we did it that way, stop and think. Put a breakdown in society that would contribute to, because marriage is hard work sometimes, and if you look at it as just a temporary thing. Like in high school, you dated this girl for a few weeks and then you quit dating her and you start dating somebody else. Think of all the damage that would be done and think of the damage that would be done to children. And it is very hard sometimes. People get themselves in predicaments that are difficult. But marriage is a valuable thing. It's, it's a good thing. And it's to be fought for and protected and stood for and
0: in, in strength yeah, good points um so again i mean jesus is teaching pretty straightforward pretty easy to at least understand what he's saying more difficult to apply but really really important that we apply it correctly
1: um, amen
0: so um so that's mark chapter 10 the the beginning of that Do you guys have anything else you want to say about that section or that topic justin
1: just, just a couple more applications that I see. Again, this touches on a lot of different issues today. Um, one, when we look at, I, I think we've seen kind of an epidemic of divorce and then unlawful remarriages. Um, and, and again, that, like Scott said, we we might wish we could personally draw that line somewhere else, but we see the blessings in drawing it where God sees it. Uh, but in First Corinthians six, there's there's sort of an interesting. Uh, consequence of this, um, Paul talks about the the oneness, the unity that occurs in a sexual relationship. In First Corinthians six verse uh, verse sixteen, he says, "Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute, First Corinthians six sixteen, he becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh." And he goes on to draw some applications of that. Uh, to our relationship with Christ, that we're one with Christ. And so that that should impact the way we, we use our bodies. Uh, we're, we're members with him. Uh, our bodies are not our own, verse 19. We were bought with a price. Therefore, we should glorify God in our bodies. But this idea that I can be sexually active with whoever I want to be until I get married, then I've got to be really careful about that. Uh, and even more popular today uh, is that marriage... Is about a covenant but then you're still allowed to do what you want to do with your body so long as it maintains the personal happiness of that individual so you've got open marriage situations you've got uh, lots of open marriage jesus calls it adultery (laughs) he calls it uh, sexual immorality the two shall become one flesh and so this passage jesus addresses a lot of different sexual deviances that we might say, Jesus never talked about same sex attraction. Jesus never talked about premarital sex. Jesus never, actually he did. He just did it in a very simple way. The two shall become one flesh. So there there is a a weight, uh, a a significance to sexual union. And we might not think that there should be, or that there is. And so a lot of casual hookups happen, uh, but psychologically, spiritually emotionally something happened when there was a union physically and jesus acknowledges that that was always part of the plan and in marriage it's a wonderful beautiful blessing uh, outside marriage it it causes all kinds of havoc uh, and so so jesus doesn't just recommend it as a way of life he says this was the way we were built the way we were designed uh, it's the way we best function and when we don't function the way we were designed it brings in all kinds of problems
2: Years ago, a friend gave an illustration that I thought was very effective, and it compares uh, fire to the physical relationship of a man and a woman. So you guys come in on a January, February cold day, and you sit down in a house that has a nice fire in the fireplace. What are some things that you get from that fire? Warmth, comfort, joy. Yeah. Yeah. Does it draw your attention to it? Is, mm-hmm. it, beautiful? Is it beautiful? Yeah.
1: Uh, I Want to sit down and stay for a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If we take those logs burning in that fireplace and we pull them out of the place where they're supposed to be. And we put it on the carpet or on the sofa or under the drapes and the room catches fire and we got toxic smoke and everything. It's still hot but it's no longer welcome and warming and comfortable and beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's destructive. And the physical relationship is a wonderful, beautiful thing in the right relationship where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. You drag it out of that. It becomes destructive. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And and, and maybe one of the things that we should do, Uh, I, I think I've seen it more and more, but growing up I was always told the dangers of, of sex, um, and it turns out the Bible tells a different story. There, there are dangers for sexual immorality, um, but like you said, the the beauty and the wonder, uh, the joy, it, it is a a living parable uh, of the kind of union we have with Christ and the joy we look forward to in heaven. The, the the kind of pleasure God's trying to communicate with us, the kind of joy and pleasure that comes in a union with Christ, uh, and one of the ways he he got it across was through through marriage uh, and so we've got to be paying attention to that sort of end up holding it keeping it pure and holy as uh, as Hebrew says uh, it is meant to be undefiled because it's a beautiful picture of something that we can hardly imagine but every one of us should be looking forward to
0: mm-hmm. yeah Good thoughts. All right. Um, well, let's keep going in Mark because uh, the Mark shifts subject pretty quickly and drastically, um, but still kind of stays on the same theme in this section in Mark where he's, he's brought up children a few different times recently and more children are brought to Jesus. Uh, so in Mark 10 verse 13 it says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. It's a really beautiful picture. Uh, often you'll, you'll see lots of painted pictures of people trying to kind of interpret this scene of Jesus with the children and bringing children to him. A lot of people are really familiar with that kind of uh, that picture of Jesus. But he has some really powerful things to say about the kingdom of God and being citizens of the kingdom of God using this moment here. So what do you guys want to point out? What, what is your attention drawn to in this interaction here?
3: I'm struck by uh, just like we saw in the previous chapter, the apostles know better than Jesus and are organizing everything around him, and uh, making the decisions for Jesus and for the kingdom and, and, um, and, and how life is going to be. And Jesus um, is, is reorganizing it. I guess that's what he was doing in answer to the question about marriage and divorce it wasn't the apostles asking of somebody else, but here are people again who have their organization set onto the world.
0: And Jesus is trying to erase that and show them the right order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can often get kind of full of ourselves and think, uh, I know how this should be, <laughs> you know, like, like Jesus and, and God, they're wise, but they don't really understand everything that I understand <laughs> how foolish and ridiculous, um, to think that, but it's so easy to fall into that line of thinking. You see that with the disciples as well. Um, I think it's really interesting what Jesus says in verse fifteen, that uh, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Um, what what do you guys think that means? How do you how do you receive the kingdom of God like a child? Humbly, trusting.
2: and not thinking that we're the ones in control.
0: Yeah, that kind of goes right to what the disciples were doing. Jesus is kind of calling into the carpet. It's like, no, you guys are actually the ones that are in the wrong. It's not these kids that want to come to me. Um, I think what Jesus has in mind is kind of the general disposition of a child. Usually a child is uh, very needy. Uh, They need help. They need their parents. They need to trust their parents. Um, They they need the the provisions that their parents provide. Um, and they're kind of totally dependent. And that's the relationship that we need to have with Jesus and with God, totally dependent on Christ and his work, and what he, what he's done and is doing in our lives and trusting in God's process and his kind of uh, enrollment of the citizens of his kingdom. Um, maybe sometimes we can feel kind of like the disciples and that we're the gatekeepers of the kingdom. Uh, that's not our responsibility. Uh, Jesus gets to welcome who he wants to welcome in. Um, and we need to just stick with truth and help people to see truth and follow truth ourselves. Justin, were you going to say something?
1: Well, I was just, uh, I was thinking, um, uh, I've often thought of this passage, um, the teaching about children, uh, children are innocent. I've heard that and I've questioned that. I'm not quite sure. How. <laughs> I've got kids. I understand. <laughs> but um, uh the Bible certainly does teach that we come into this world choosing. Uh, we're not just, you know, uh, guilty by association, but that's not the point Jesus makes here. And so the question is, you know, what are children like? And I've, I've heard all sorts of answers to the question, you know, children are innocent. Children are are humble. Children are curious children and on and on and on. Um, but the point that Jesus makes is, is one of humility. Um, I think is is the idea here that that's the con- contextual point, point. and so it's kind of a side issue here. But but when when the context supports a, a certain point, I shouldn't go trying to make other points necessarily. Uh, Jesus draws their attention to the the lowly status of the children. Um, that that's the point to make. And I think we can get into trouble uh, when we try to interpret the scriptures and make additional points off of our subjective reasoning. If Jesus tells us what he means. Let's let's go with what Jesus said.
0: Yeah. And one kind of side point to this section here, I really like verse 16. Um, That's just cool to think about that Jesus took the children in his arms, blessed them and touched them. Um, Jesus spent a lot of time interacting with a lot of people, but it's cool to think that the son of God, the creator of the universe, cares about children also. Um, He cares about even the most insignificant human beings and the most significant human beings. It's just, it's cool to see God's love and compassion and interaction with mankind. Um, you just constantly see Jesus's care and concern for people through the gospels and, and even to, to children that maybe people would tend to kind of shoo away, you know, oh, get the kids out of here. Um, but Jesus wants, wants them to come. He wants to spend time with them.
2: I've got a rabbit trail that I think might be worth pursuing. And to what Justin just said, um, And the fact is, and you'll hear a lot of biblical interpretation do this. People decide what they want to prove or defend or promote. They decide their agenda. Then they rally verses to support it. And oftentimes they're taking the verse out of context or not making the point that Jesus was making. And I'm going to do an experiment uh, with you guys here in just a minute to illustrate how easy that is. Um, But before I do that, I'd like to point out that there is validity in looking at secondary lessons, but there's a difference between finding secondary lessons and and making stuff up. Uh, So for example, if you are talking to someone who was brought up in a religious system that sprinkles babies for for christening, and that's what they call baptism, would romans 6 be a helpful passage to help them see what baptism is
0: Mm -hmm.
2: it's a burial is that why paul wrote romans 6. were some of the romans practicing sprinkling no he wrote romans 6 answering the question what shall we continue you know shall we continue in sin that grace may abound no don't you know that you crucified the old man you buried him and then you're to rise to walk in a new life with christ that's the the author's point mm-hmm. but since he discusses it and describes it as a burial that's a reminder of, of what it means mm-hmm. um but to illustrate how easily could because you see people do this all the time um so I, i'm gonna you know if if my main thing is climate change I can pick some verses to you know promote climate change if my main thing is you know socialized medicine I can pick some verses mm-hmm. for that but let's just go with this let's pick a sin that we all know we shouldn't do somebody name a sin
0: lying right
2: now let's suppose we start the church of uh dishonesty you know it's like, all liars are welcome here. You <laughs> um, the, the the white lie church. Okay, now are there some verses that we can use and manipulate to promote uh, telling white lies? Yeah. Um, if if we want to, just about any descendant uh, that you want to pick, uh, you can. Find a verse and twist it or misrepresent it or use it out of context or something else. Draw conclusions on it to teach kind of whatever you want to teach. And I know that's not what we're talking about here primarily today, but when just made that comment. It got me thinking along that line. And it comes back to this thing of are we trying to make ourselves fit scripture or are we trying to make scripture
0: fit
1: us? Mm-hmm. Good point. We did the same thing. Um, my my family and I we we have uh, daily Bible readings, and so we've been going through Ezekiel, and uh, we read through uh, Ezekiel nineteen, uh, which is a kind of a weird chapter. There's a uh, uh, lamentation that Ezekiel's supposed to pick up and and sing, and it's about a, a lion, and she has these two cubs, and then it switches and talks about a vineyard and these stems that got chopped off and, um, and then this limitations become a limitation. It's like, all right, so what's this about? And so I, I, we read the whole chapter. And then I asked the kids, okay, what, what is this about? And they start coming up with interpretations, very eager to say, I know what this means. I know what this means. I said, okay, great, cool. Now look back at verse one. What does Ezekiel tell you it's about? And they went, Oh, (laughs) Because it says, take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel. And they go, oh yeah. And so we had to like interpret it according to the parameters we're given. And, and so much of scripture is like that. It's not just God saying, here's some cool stories, have fun, you know, go go interpret this the way you want to interpret it. It's more of like, here's the context. Here's what I want you to get out of it. here's a story that backs that up. And we've got to pay attention. We've got to keep everything in in context. Um, so it, it is a side point, but I think it's an important one we think about how we say the scriptures uh, but i do like like jonathan i love this this last little verse in uh, mark 10 16 it, it's almost i don't think jesus is getting a dig at the disciples <laughs> but he is going out of his way to show just how important uh, the little people are mm-hmm. to god uh and, and really when you think about it aren't we all little people <laughs> to god mm-hmm. Uh, if God didn't look out for the weak and the underprivileged, uh, the castoffs, then like none of us would be be with hope. Uh, we we need what God has for us. We're the little people.
0: Good point. Uh, well, we've got a big story next, and we've got seven minutes left. So you guys want to start the story, or uh,
2: let's do this. Let's yeah. give give the rich young ruler yeah time to
0: fail
3: or yeah time to. <laughs> there we
2: go
0: all right yeah so we'll so we'll wrap up right there uh if you're if you're on our audience and you're curious you never read the the next story in mark chapter 10 you can start reading there uh, about the the rich young man that comes to jesus in mark ten seventeen, and we'll pick up with that the next time that we're in the gospel of mark and bible quest on tuesdays uh but that's all that we have for this week So thanks everyone for joining us and our discussion through Mark. If you have anything else that you'd like us to discuss or any other questions that came up during our reading today or unrelated to our reading in the Bible that you'd like us to discuss in our program, you can visit our website, BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to do any of those topics in our future uh, programs. We want to talk about what you want to talk about and help everyone to understand the scriptures as we're all trying to learn ourselves. So thank you for that, and we'll see everyone next week, Lord willing. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.